Hey, this is the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we talk with some of the most successful engineering leaders who reveal actionable management insights that help you take your developer team to the next level. This episode is brought to you by Coding Sans, a software development agency building web applications from design to delivery with React, Node.js, and Angular. Check them out at CodingSans.com. Hi, everyone. Carolina Toad speaking, and this is the Level Up Engineering Podcast. In every episode, we talk with accomplished engineering leaders about different kinds of leadership challenges they face. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to share with you that if you sign up for the Level Up Engineering newsletter, you're going to receive new episodes two weeks prior to them being released to the rest of the world. So it's a really good deal. Click the link in the description and join our engineering leadership community. Today, my guest is Sophie Wade. She is founder of the Flexel Network and also author of Empathy Works, the key to competitive advantage in the new era of work. So I think that we will have a really amazing conversation. But before that, please, Sophie, tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Thank you, Caroline. It's a delight to be on this podcast. So my background is kind of eclectic. I'm English, grew up in London. I've worked in Hong Kong and Germany and Italy and France, where I went to business school. And I've been in the States now for over 15 years. So I've been all over the place. And I have always pretty much been, my first career was working at the intersection of technology and media slash content. So it could be, you know, long form content, short form content, or just information. So I have a lot of understanding about technology, but I am not a technologist. But I also understand how to or not to be interacting with technologists because I could, I've asked lots of stupid questions in the past, which just didn't get any answers. But so now my second career is all about the workplace and how to help people be working in different ways now that we've got to a the future of work, a technology-driven situation and environment and circumstances, which is really changing the nature of work, how we're working and how we're doing business. So that's what I'm doing. And I do, uh, I've written Matachi two books now, and I do a lot of speaking and consulting and helping people adapt for this new era of work. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, this new era of work is catching up with us rather quickly. Uh, we are recording this episode at the very end of 2022. And I can definitely feel that everyone around me is pretty tired of all the things that have been going on in our lives, starting yeah. with COVID and uh, following up with war and um, the global economy and whatnot. But before we get into just dissecting today's DNH, our topic today is quiet quitting and how empathy helps you setting healthy boundaries at work. I think this is a really awesome topic. It has been on the news very much lately. I'm sure it's partially because a lot of people are feeling like they have been putting too much time into their work. And it came up in uh, one of our workshops at uh, Coding Sense, the sponsor of this podcast. And we talked about quiet quitting, but we didn't actually start to conceptualize it. So I would like to ask you to give us a bit of an insight before we start talking about it. 
what is quiet quitting? How should we set its boundaries? And what is basically the definition when we talk about this? I think overall, the definition is when somebody has made a proactive choice because of this particular situation at work, not to put extra, put discretionary effort into their job, to do what's required for their job. So they are fulfilling the obligations of their job, but they're not going above and beyond. So it, it is a, they're actually taking that action themselves, making a decision, and it can be to do with how their boss is treating them, that they've asked for particular, you know, more flexibility, different benefits, and they just don't feel that they're being treated in the way that they're comfortable with. And, and so that they're making a proactive choice for whatever reason that they're going to, you know, do or not do with that extra effort, but they're making a choice not to put that extra effort into their full-time job. If we would define it with averages or amounts, would you say it's not putting in 100% or, or would you say it's like you put in the 100% in those eight hours that you're paid for and then you're done? It could be defined in different ways, but generally many employers are going to both expect you to do your 40 hours or what, you know, let's just say it's a full-time job, your 40 hours and fulfill your task. So it's a both and. Whereas, I mean, there are certainly people who, if they're on results, you know, paid and, and managed on a results basis, they could actually do or, you know, achieve all the results that they need to in fewer than 40 hours, or it might take more than 40 hours. So it is doing sort of what the job requirements are. And that may indeed also require being on the job, you know, at work or, you know, wherever that wherever they are, um, 40 hours. And I do think that it's important to be focused on results. It is doing 100% of what your job outline or your job contract or details are, but, and not doing that putting that extra effort in. That is what mm -hmm. engagement is. It's sort of going, putting in extra effort. So would you say it's putting in minimum to, to not get fired from work? You could get fired by not putting extra effort in. I mean, that, that really depends on your boss. And you may have actually quietly quit because you have a boss who is <laughs> not the best. You know, it's interesting because if, if a boss really tries to align you and tries to engage you with what you're good at and do your skills and strengths, you could be, you know, doing 40 hours work and actually going above and beyond just because you're engaged. But quietly quitting is sort of saying, I'm, I'm stepping back. I'm not going to be putting my best efforts in to come up with the best ideas. And if, if somebody notices that you really have changed your attitude and your approach, Yes, you could get fired even if you're technically fulfilling it because they're going to notice. I don't know that it's doing the minimum. I think it's doing what is required. So I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. So if I am the sort of person who is most of the time going above and beyond and uh, trying to excel in whatever task I get, and I suddenly decide, okay, I am not getting paid enough for this and I need my sense of peace and I don't want to be the person who who goes above and beyond when the rest of the people are not putting in that much effort and I and I stop perhaps excelling and I stop striving for that excellence that would be the definition of quiet quitting that's one of the definitions I mean I I think you know for the most part it is not it is 
does not tend to be people who are looking around saying, I'm putting all this effort in and nobody else is. It's much more about I'm being treated in a way that I'm not comfortable with. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, getting really, you know, horrible projects. I really need flexibility and, and I'm not getting it, or I really want flexibility and it doesn't make sense that I'm not. You know, there is some, there is some negative aspect in terms of what the interaction is with the person's boss. You know, it could be the boss is often their particular supervisor, but it could be the company too, causing them to say, I don't want to use my effort in this way. And it may be that I'm using it in many other ways that I may be, you know, developing my side hustle and, and, you know, using that, maybe I can't resign yet. I'm not quite part of the great resignation. I'm actually not, I can't f- go and find another job right now for all kinds of reasons, but I'm going to use that extra effort in, in other ways to, to develop myself or find a new job or whatever that might be. So it tends to be that there is something negative going on in my particular job situation that I'm then, you know, taking that energy back and it could be that I'm sort of like, okay, I'm going to chill out for a while and just, you know, this has been, you know, I'm dealing with a mental health situation. I mean, there are many reasons to be to be stepping back, but it does tend to be that there's something you causing know, you negative that I that I'm trying to step away from. And, you know, hopefully is the way I look at it, that that person also then says, okay, now what can I do differently? And that's that's for me what the opportunity is that some people may be missing out on. Right. So just to to clarify even further for our audience and for me, work-life balance is when everything is probably going pretty well and you are just setting your boundaries to stop when you are done with your daily tasks and not go overboard and not work into the, the night because you enjoy your work, but say, okay, I'm done with this. Now it's time for me to relax. And you are still excelling at what you do you just try to have those healthy boundaries. I think it's different for everybody. I mean, you know, for (laughs) some people, work-life balance is work hard, play hard. So they'd be working really long hours and then go out and party all night. You know, I mean, it really depends on the person. For somebody who, you know, has kids, it may be, yes, saying, you know, six o'clock, 8 o'clock in the evening, that's when I stop. And then I will not answer a single email. I will make sure that I'm completely devoted to my kids or my partner or whatever that might be. So it is, yes, it is, it is tend to be about the boundaries that I create for myself so that I'm comfortable. Now, it also doesn't have to be on a daily or weekly basis. It could be like, I have a project that I'm going to work intensively on at work on, on a particular project or or task. And then I'm going to take two weeks off and that's going to be the balance or three weeks off, or I'm going to work hard on a six month project. And then I'm going to take three months off, whatever it might be. I mean, there are lots of different ways to create that balance. Digital nomadism, right? That's another way of getting different types of balance. It's very, very different for different people, but it does tend to be this, you know, a conscious effort to create the balance, the sort of equilibrium in your life between work and non-work activities that works for you. And it is it is different for everybody. Thank you. I uh, think I am trying, I'm, I'm starting to, to understand uh, the concepts a little more. And there is another trend here, which is acting your wage. I'm sure a lot of younger listeners are familiar with this trend where, in my understanding, you're not supposed to take on more responsibilities than what you're getting paid for. How is quiet quitting relating to this? So 
Quiet quitting for me is somebody's been in a situation and has made a an active choice to reduce how much effort they're putting in because of a situation or what was said or how they're feeling they're being treated or 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 you know they it just like this is I'm not going to put that effort in any anymore. Whereas acting your wage, it could be that that you have done that and that's what you're that's the state you're in now. But you could also get a job and know that be, you know, because of the one or two or three side hustles you have, or you need to, you know, have some kind of steady income. I mean, this is the focus for a lot of Gen Zs, for a lot of the younger, younger workers, is that they knowing that they don't have any job security, they have at least, you know, one trying to have it as a steady paying job and, and some other income streams as well. So they're going into their job and they're not changing the level of, of, of effort they're putting in. It's staying, they're sort of saying, I, I'm going to do this job is not my, you know, my, not my passion. I'm going to do what's required. And I have these other things in my passion project, but I'm going to do what's required. I'm not, I'm not sort of like making an, you know, an active statement. I'm not pulling back, but I'm just doing my job. You know, honestly, to the, to, to the great extent, that's what we're, we're paid to do. We're paid to do our job. So if you're acting a wage, you know, that's, that's okay. You know, that's the idea back from, you know, a century ago was you get paid and you do fulfill your tasks. If we want people to engage and to go above and beyond, that's a whole different thing. And that's what obviously managers and leaders want. But that actually does require effort and energy from them in order to try and help people find what they're really passionate about, find, you know, understand what their skills and strengths are and and get them, you know, connected with their work through purpose and meaning, all those kind of things. And to increase so that they aren't just acting their wages, actually going above and beyond. That's what employee engagement is and what we, most managers are, are trying to do if they can. I love that. Dearest managers, <laughs> please take some notes. Okay, so sailing on to different seas. Now that we have quiet quitting under the hood of our dictionaries, is this a new trend or has it always been happening or are we just now focusing on ourselves a little more after COVID and, and after staying at home for a while? Is it that we are now expanding our vocabularies or is it a new thing? Look, the Gallup data shows that for years, about two thirds of the population has not been engaged in the work. So there's disengaged, which is, you know, tend to be about 11 to 13 percent. Those are people who are sort of actively undermining what's going on at, at a company. Then you have a small percentage also, you know, maybe it's 20 percent globally who are engaged, really engaged in their work. And the whole rest of it, which is, you know, tend to be about two thirds of the working population is not engaged. So they're just, they're, you know, they're doing what they need to do. They're showing up, going and, and, do, and fulfilling their tasks. So that has been going on for, you know, for, for a long, long time. And we haven't been focused on employee engagement. We haven't been, you know, managers haven't been helping people sort of orient towards their skills and strengths and seeing what changes that make. So that has been going on for a long time. Quiet kitting actually being in a situation where you were putting more effort in and then suddenly making a decision to kind of change I do think is probably more prevalent now because of the situation that happened during the pandemic. And it's not so much the pandemic, but really because we were 
in situations where we could suddenly look at work with a different lens and had different experiences. I mean, you know, we, and I'm not talking about frontline workers who were, you know, working so hard and under incredibly stressful situations, but that also caused them to kind of go like, what, you know, what really matters? Like, is this what my life is you know, supposed to be about? And I think it's been particularly prevalent in the US, which has a very, very, you know, the work culture is very strong in terms of, <laughs> you know, working in the evenings, tip, you know, being expected to right. work weekends without, you know, without question. Having, Not you know, going work- on maternity leave for the for the US workers. I was just talking about this on another show. And, uh, and we were just talking about how really job security is not that heavy for for Zero. US workers. Zero. And this is the issue. So it, there used to be job security in the US. And, you know, in the 1950s, 1960s, this is where, for me, this all originally comes from, is that the equation used to be different. And it's the social contract that part of the job bundle was that I, as a worker, got, you know, lifelong employment, which to me meant, you know, working at a particular company for the whole of my life which I think would be a horror story for many people now. And But no company is giving that. So the idea was I work, I put long hours in, and eventually over time I will you know, build up a little nest retire. egg and then I will be able to retire and I have, there's a pension. Now, that entire equation does not exist anymore. And as a result, it means that I as a worker have to be much more engaged and proactive about you know, trying to find income security or job security. How am I going to develop my career, which is nonlinear? How, you know, where am I going to go this company? How can I make sure that that I have competitive skills? Because, you know, any company I'm at, you know, maybe they're not going to help me update my skills, which means I'm not necessarily going to stay competitive. I mean, it's a whole, it's a very, very, very different landscape. And as a result, it means that workers are engaging with their employer and thinking about their careers and they have their a different attitude and approach to work and how to they're going to sort of prolong their careers or develop their careers and that sort of goes to fundamentally to how much effort they put into what element of their work activity so i might put all my work effort into this particular work activity but not that one so this could be my side hustle this could be my full t- be full-time job that i'm doing to make sure that i can pay my rent but then this is a thing that i'm passionate about so i think you know when we've had um such a a, a challenging work culture in the US, it has caused people during the pandemic to rethink, you know, because they had different circumstances to rethink what what matters, what role work plays. And when you when you've seen a lot of people dying and and also had the opportunity to sort of say, well, I could actually work really effectively from home. Well, hang on a second. What does that mean I could do? Or I could work for the same company that I've always been working at. I really love working for this company, but I can I can live in a different city. And if I have, you know, kids and I, you know, live in a small apartment in New York or Detroit, I could go and live, you know, in a more rural area and my, we could have a garden. I mean, so this is the epiphany that a lot of workers are having, particularly in this country, but also around the world, to say, let me rethink my working life, that integrated aspect, and and set things up differently. And that's also applying to how much engagement I'm putting into any particular, as I said, work activity, because this is this is the sort of long overdue 
rebalancing of the social contract to understand what do I want my life to look like because the balance of compensation that I'm getting from my full-time job has changed a lot. Listening to you, it kind of sounds like, I don't want to use too strong of a word here, but do you do you kind of agree or or support this tendency to quiet quit when, as you defined, the situation is not adequate or isn't helping an employee to become better and excel at their job or or they feel they aren't being treated fairly? I think that if you go into into a job, it's important to fulfill your obligations. There are lots of bosses. People tend to quit a job because of their boss. And there are, unfortunately, a lot of people out there who are really not nice to work for or not never even nice. It's because like they're not respectful. They don't treat them well. They don't listen to them. They, there are so many. I mean, we spend hours and hours at work every day. And there are some fundamental values and behaviors that I think are appropriate at work. So if somebody's not getting that, and I think we also have, we're in a period of, of flux, enormous amount of change going on, that we have a lot of tension because particularly older leaders who've been working the same way for decades, it's hard for them to make change. And so there's a lot of tension between them and younger folks. So I understand when there's a disconnect between what somebody who is often younger wants and the, the new ways that they want to work, which makes sense because of the technologies that we have, and the older leaders. So I do understand and I do support the idea that someone sort of says, okay, I do think that I want to have a different work setup and I can't necessarily leave my particular job right now. So I'm going to pull back a bit, but I'm still going to get my work done. I'm still going to fulfill my obligations. I don't have a problem with that. What I would say is for that particular worker, don't quit whether you're quitting you know, quietly or you're quitting physically and walking out the door. It's not all about you. It is also, also about what you're what you're getting out of and giving to the organization but thinking about it from your own perspective what more could you learn on your job can you change the situation with your boss you may have tried but let's just say can you change it because the best thing for you for, for you as a as an employee is to kind of like try and work try and you know reframe the situation can you look at it differently can you encourage your boss to be treating you in a different way because many of them just aren't aware of how much is changing. And so there are ways to sort of try and change that situation. If that situation can't be improved, then where else could you go and work in the company? If there might be another place, because that's the next easier or can be the next easier place to go so that you're still, you're learning new skills, you've got more experience, you are bettering yourself so that as and when you do leave that particular company, you're in a better situation and you've done more for the company. So there's, you know, there's a win-win, you can get references, you know, are there more people that you can, you know, you can meet, you can network with. So there are lots of things that you can do, I think, in that situation, even if you quietly quit, but to to try and improve the situation before you really pull back and then be, be thoughtful about how you're pulling back and where are you putting the effort. And if you're really not putting that effort anywhere, you know, what does that mean for your life overall? And it may be you just kind of go, I just, I just, I'm so burned out. I, you know, and that's fine. 
totally understand that too. So in that sense, yeah, I do. I do really understand, and I think that you know that all the different elements and the circumstances are really important. But I think there are, you know, we're in a very different type of business era and work um, circumstances and environments that mean we each person needs to be very thoughtful and proactive about how they're managing um, and developing their career and you know job progression. And so if they're quiet quitting, what else are they doing? What's the next what's the next step and when are they going to take that? So so you know always being thoughtful about that is the key for me. Thank you. There are a couple of things there that I would like to highlight just for us to be on the same page and for me to to process a little bit as well. So first of all, the only thing you can change is yourself. So if your boss is not treating you well, give feedback, try to try to change the boss, try to get into a different uh, project group, try to join a new team within the same company because you already have friends in the company, you already have a support group. It's probably easier for you to move to a different team than to move to a different company. And own your circumstances what it made me think of is you know like sort of this victim mindset like bless you you aren't a victim of your circumstances if you believe you have power to change your circumstances so what i hear you say is look at your surroundings look at your situation and see where you can change how you are being treated or or what is happening to you or how the organization is helping you or not helping you. Right, exactly. And that reframing is incredibly important and it can also be helpful. I mean, the economic situation is very difficult in so many places, in so many sectors, in so many countries. Just actually alerting your manager or who, you know whoever your supervisor is and sort of saying, hey, look, I really love XYZ or X. They, they may not be paying attention to that. They're just so busy with everything that's going on. It's not, it's not to blame them for that, but just to sort of say, hey, on that next project, if there's the next project, I would really love to be doing more of this. And if they sort of say, no, 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 you can't, but you sort of say, well, maybe, you know, not this one, but the next one, is that possible? Or how about this? Own it, as you say, and offer some suggestions and then see what you can do to change the situation for yourself so that you can be still be contributing to the company and look like you're contributing to the company, but you're also doing something which is more enjoyable for you, that's bettering you, that's going to help you, as I said, be competitive, have more security in the sense that you're continuing to to grow and progress in your career and, and in your skill sets. Right. I kind of notice a shift in my own mindset. It was brought to me by what you just said. My parents were uh, Gen Xers, so they had a very different kind of mindset about work mm-hmm. and about how much you had to put in to work and about how much flexibility you had when you were to change jobs and when you were to right. ask for your for your raise or whatever. And I see it around me that some people are very much detached from the company or from the organization or from their work. And it gives them a, a sort of distance that makes them be less emotionally involved. Yeah. And that sometimes helps them and other times it doesn't help them. But what I noticed on myself these days, and that partially might be due, 
due to the fact that it's the end of 2022 and we are all tired of everything. But what I've noticed is that I've always been one to give my best efforts to go above and beyond. Like with this podcast, I joined the company as a coach and I was like, why don't we do a podcast? This is going to be so great. Keep on going, you know, like it doesn't matter whether or not it's in your job description. If right. you think it's a good idea and if you enjoy doing it and if you think it's going to better the company, then why not do it? And in the last couple of weeks, I've been thinking, what am I getting out of this? Where Where is Carolina in this entire Great game question. of chess? Yep. And is that what somebody who is quiet quitting thinking? Or are those the signs that some of our listeners can check whether or not they notice on themselves? Yeah, so it could be that. First of all, it could be that somebody has said, okay, this isn't my job description, but I, I think it'd be really cool for our company and I'd be really interested to try and launch a podcast. And they get shut down. Every new idea, the their boss is like, no, we can't do it and whatever. And and it, it may be true that the, the company is not interested in doing that and it would be too complicated and whatever. But that, you know, a lot of no's sort of kind of like, okay, fine, I'm just not going to bother. I'm not going to come up with any more ideas because there's no point. And then it could be you sort of quiet quit and then you you put that effort somewhere else. I think, you know, what you're talking about is more that you've you've made this effort, you've you've launched a podcast, and then it is a very positive, it's not necessarily about quiet quitting, it's very positive to kind of go, so what now? So what what is the next step? I think having a podcast myself, I know that I learn so much from all the conversations I have. So I know that that's a great benefit to me. So what what do I do with that? What more can I do with that that contributes both to, and I do look at it in terms of, I'm doing this podcast, so, so and I'm getting out of it, what, can, what more can I do that is beneficial for everybody in terms of the next progression? It's a very beneficial for every employee to continually be saying because they do need to own their career development now because it isn't you know you don't go into company and have this linear continuous progression that's just you know it doesn't happen automatically and it's much harder now it's so non-linear and the next the next sort of advancement could be horizontally it could be diagonally and it also could be vertically the, the you know each person needs to own it so having those those conversations with yourself and then talking to other people in your group, in other divisions, kind of like, oh, well, maybe I can do a side project. If I can't move to do a project or, or work in that area, maybe I can do a side project. And there are definitely companies that are saying, yeah, you can work on a project. There are companies like Atlassian, where they actually have a really interesting approach, which is they sort of say, who wants to work on this project? And and a great range of people can just put their hand up and say, I want to work on that project. That's really cool because then you can get to experience other people, other areas, other types of work. You know, so I think there are there are lots of different ways that that you can be thinking about what's next for me. And I do also encourage managers and leaders that if the next step for one of my team members, I, I can't fulfill it in my division or even somewhere else in the company to help them leave. Right. That's okay because they also may come back in the future. They need to get other experiences. If our company can't do that, then that's okay too. And what an amazing ambassador they're going to be for my company. If I've helped them leave, they're going to be like, ah, Sophie's awesome. 
that company is so great. And, you know, there are lots of things like the edges of our companies are very different now. And I may need you to work on a project as a freelancer, as a, you know, specialist consultant in the future. I mean, there are lots and lots of ways to be helping nurture employees and non-employees to the benefit of the business. Right. Right. I, I usually tell it to the employees after I onboard them to the company at the very end. We always make a pact and say, you know, like this is the beginning, but let's talk about the end because this oh, is the that. 21st century and uh, nobody is expected to retire from here. So right. if you feel like you something go. is not working out, let's talk about it. And if we can't fix it, then let's move on with our lives. And the fact that you've had that conversation... <laughs> enables you, enables me, if you're onboarding me, to not quietly quit before I've talked to you because you've opened up that conversation to sort of say, if something isn't working out, I'm not going to quietly quit before I kind of go, you know what, Carolina, you know what you said when I first came on board? Well, this isn't kind of what I thought and or, you know, it's just not going this in in, in the way that I thought. But I, I have that. I feel safe to ask you to have that conversation so that we can realign what I'm doing. And you might say, hey, look, I can't do anything about it now, but let's just see what I can do in the future because actually talent mobility with, in organizations is really not easy yet. It is, you know, people are understanding. It's actually, the, the data shows that in, in many companies, it is actually easier <laughs> to leave the company than move in, internally. Now, I think those, those dynamics are definitely going to change. But if if there's a safe environment, a trust-based environment, an empathetic environment, and I've heard that from you, then I'm much more likely to actually talk to you first before I quietly quit. Right. Let's let's hope so. If any of my <laughs> colleagues are listening to this, yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. I am I'm always here to talk about your ideas and whatever is hurting you or uplifting you. Right. All right. So. We have talked about the individual. We have talked about some ways to cope with feelings of dissatisfaction at work. Let's talk to some of our leaders here. What can they do if they notice some signs on someone of their team? Or if there are a couple of people in their team who seem to be showing some signs of quiet quitting, what should they be thinking about? Because... So much of the quiet quitting is about how team members feel. It tends to be people at the, the the low levels of the organization. You know, ask them what's going on. Like, you don't know whether somebody has actually quite. I mean, this is where, you know, I really talk about empathy because it's kind of like, what is going on? Because I could make an assumption like you're quietly quitting. But in fact, you may be having a mental health moment or you may be you know your dog might be sick and and you may be really really upset about that and that's what's causing it because there's also going to be some kind of reaction in me if i think you've quietly quit so i need to make sure that that's what's going on and and the signals and the alerts that you can get or you can observe can look the same depending what's going on. Or you may be incredibly frustrated because, you know, your broadband is down and it's just really frustrating how much you're able to do your work. Or you were just offline or there was a brownout in your area, whatever it might be, that that was always actually really frustrating you or, you know, not enabling you to contribute as much as you normally do. So the key thing, first of all, is for the person really to check what's going on and try and have as much of an open conversation. And if you as a leader or a manager don't have the kind of relationship where you can have 
and honest and open, good conversation, then I do think you can look at yourself and say, it would be beneficial to have a better relationship. You don't have to be friends, you don't have to be buddies, but have a better relationship, a trust-based relationship where that employee can talk to you openly because otherwise it's going to be very hard because they're just not going to say, be frank about it. And they go like, no, 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 everything's fine, everything's fine. And you're not going to know and they may either walk out on you or just completely disengage. So I do think that it, it is the responsibility of leaders to nurture the kind of culture within a team. It might not be company-wide, but you can do it within your team so that people, you do have the relationships, you do have the connections, that people can feel safe to speak up and actually share what's going on. So the key thing would be like, make sure that you're not judging or making assumptions about the signals that you're noticing and ask, ensure that you do have the relationships where you can enable someone to feel safe. Or if you don't quite yet, just sort of say, hey, look, this is off the record. I really just want to sort of see what's going on and and maybe you know, just give me some some feedback about you know what could be we could be doing differently. You seem to have been a bit disconnected from your job, you know, without making some negative comments that are going to get a defensive reaction. It's to say, you know, what's going on here? Open questions are always helpful. And then listen to the answer, really trying to make sure that you're withholding judgment. So this is very much about how empathy works. Lots and lots of listening. And then there's an enormous amount of misunderstanding between, particularly between generations, because we have such different lived experiences. Yes, I'm Gen X. The way I define hard work is probably long, long hours, late, burning the midnight oil type thing. Whereas for someone who has just come into the workforce, it may be working very intensively, but only 40 hours a week. So I don't want to, if someone says, well, I've been working really hard, and I'd be kind of like, yeah, you know, that they didn't work past five o'clock in any day. That's not the point. So really restating, something like, well, okay, Carolina, but you know, how, you know, asking open questions, what was it that was going on with that project? You know, is it something that you, we could be doing differently? You know, really trying to explore what's going on so that I have a sense of what's wrong or what, not wrong, but what could be done differently to change your situation. And it's not about pandering to you. It's not about molly coddling young workers. If I, as a manager, want to help you perform, it's really understanding you as an individual and what engages you, what you're good at, uh, what you enjoy doing, because those two tend to be very closely aligned. And that's going to benefit me as a manager. And we're going to have more fun, be engaged, do do better work. It's, all, it's a win-win. <laughs> right, right. I completely agree with you. And here is a little bit of advertisement. Uh, the Level Up Engineering podcast has many episodes on how to handle one-on-ones, how to create a healthy feedback culture, how to be open for feedback. So serious managers and listeners, please go ahead and check out those episodes because creating this kind of trusted environment is probably the first thing for prevention. Yeah before anybody decides to to quiet quit your organization or your team. So we are approaching the end of our conversation here. I would really like to ask you what you think a manager could do if they have talked to an employee and the employee said, yes, I just decided that I wasn't being treated fairly, so I am just doing 
what my job requires me to, but I don't really think about how it could be better or how I could improve because I feel like I am really just fine not giving in a minute more than 40 hours a week. And they say, I have researched quiet quitting and I have quiet quit myself. What do you suggest a manager does in this situation? That's a challenging one. You know, the reality is, is if the person is fulfilling their tasks and doing their job, I mean, if it's a very creative job, those moments of incredible creativity that might happen in the shower or or when they're going on a walk with their dog, those are the moments where you sort of feel like somebody's going above and beyond. So I think in some of the most creative and innovative roles, that may be harder to kind of go, okay, just fulfill your job because of the nature of the work. But there are there are many roles which don't that if somebody is is fulfilling their their job requirements they're fulfilling their job requirements and if they it may be that they have all kinds of obligations on the side or or side hustles they're developing their passions or they are able to have some more financial stability i mean i do understand the need that if the job that the person has working on my team that i cannot guarantee them any kind of security whatsoever. I do have empathy for the fact that if they want to have a side hustle, I, I truly do. I understand that situation because I also can't kind of go, yes, don't worry, please, you know, really, really engage in return for job security because I can't do that. What I would still try and do is work with them to see what it is that they really do enjoy and see if I can engage them a bit just so they have, you know, they enjoy it more. I mean, you know, where this all goes back to is one, there was a different social contract that you did have an equation where you got job security. But it was also based on the fact that the Protestant Calvinist doctrines said that you had to suffer in your work to go to heaven. Okay, let's not get into that. (laughs) my, My point is, is that when we don't even think about that, there's, there is a burden of why work actually needs to be bad mm-hmm. in order to have people be considered good workers. And I think that, that why we're working in a certain way and the ability to actually look at work as being something that we can really enjoy and connecting with something that we enjoy is, is something that I, can, I think we can do now we can have a different perspective about work because that was that was a time and a place and and people can still certainly view it however they want to but i do think that there's a new way of looking at work which is okay i appreciate you saying that i really agree with you and dearest listeners and watchers i am here from eastern europe so it's definitely different when we look at work and how we are treated because we were in the soviet bloc for so long and uh, reframing how we are the masters of our own universe, I think creates a a very different narrative for how we behave at work. Very quickly, because we we are really out of time, but I love having you on the show. What are your projections for the future? Do you think quiet quitting is here to stay? And do you have any words of advice for leaders who are who are listening to us what should they do in order to combat this trend or should they try to combat this trend i think as i mentioned at the beginning we're going through a huge amount of change this is a this is a challenging period of flux a lot is in in addition to 
war situations you know around the world you know in europe a lot of economic challenges going into recession in different areas these are challenging before you get to the fact that we're in a new era of work the future of work arrived in 2020 and it is disrupting everything it is there are so many different elements to it which are very challenging so one thing that i do say to leaders all the time is we need to try and engage every single worker because the bar has been raised with this the work is non-linear now it's not sort of linear and static and projectable out for 10 years it's much more networked teamwork much more project work harvard business review says the project economy has arrived and non-routine work which means we need to be working together and working much more closely together and understanding each other and being engaged in that otherwise you know these a lot of this collaboration is not going to go so well so i think the the pressure on employees, the pressure on leaders is much greater. So the more that we can be working together and engaged is going to help it all go much better and have the results be better and have the, all, the business stay competitive. So I think the effort that, that leaders can put in, if it, they actually focus on each employee and try and understand what's going on with them, trying to align them and in, engage them and motivate them, whatever side hustle they're doing, whatever, just like to get that work done. And if they can get them to go above and beyond, great because work is more challenging the whole but the thing is the whole thing is more challenging so if people are quite quitting like understanding what's going on whatever that might be and i think judgments are beneficial to step away from because this is this period of change is going to go on for a while so i think just being empathetic to your, towards yourself but also towards your team so that you can all do your best work together is going to be the most important thing. Otherwise, it's going to be a headache and very challenging for all of us. Right. I love that very much. To kind of conclude our discussion here, there are a couple of things that really stuck with me. First of all, I think we are in an era where we are very likely to give out labels to everyone, you know, like he's such a narcissist, yeah. she's quiet quitting. And from what I've heard you say, don't diagnose early. Let's reframe ourselves from thinking that we know what the other person is going through right. or whatever is in their head and try ask open-ended questions and, and build that trust, as you said, before you ever kind of give way to your basic human reaction of, yeah, you know, categorizing exactly. people into different boxes because they are all just as special and different and and uh, quirky as <laughs> you might, yeah. as you might define yourself. Exactly. And secondly, from what I heard you say is self-reflection. It sounds like a lot of people should spend some time in thinking about how they are feeling and what they expect from their from their organization and how they can influence the organization, how they can manage up, how they can manage their own time and what they can do to actually create a sense of content yeah. for themselves so that they know in what kind of a situation they are and they can influence the situation thoughtfully. Beautifully put. We thank have, you. <laughs> we have had a, a really, really excellent conversation. I thank you for staying here with us today. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? Do you have a book coming up or any kind of projects that you might give a shout out to or any words of uh, advice to any of our listeners? I just, you know, my book, Empathy Works, just there, is 
it's really about the future of work and the fact that this the the future of work really is technology driven and how much technology is is now integrated and is highly connected and changing the processes and all the different ways that business operations work and how as you talk about these projects and and non-routine work and 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 teamwork that is raising the, the the sort of the counterbalance of the technology is, to, is talent and really focusing on us as individuals and how we're working together. So when I think about empathy, when I think about how to really be most productive and understand yourself, you know, empathy starts with self-awareness and being aware of other people. That's really going to to help anybody's situation. So in my book, but generally look at it in terms of empathy habits, how to change it, like do that, you know, listening much more, asking open questions. There are lots of little things that you can do, the listeners can do and and learn from and and whether it's my book or, or elsewhere. Be, you know, over the, the next few weeks and going into the new year, like think about how to be working better with your, your, your as you said, managing up, managing down, managing with your, you know, learning and understanding your peers. That's going to really be the most beneficial thing that, that will benefit you across the board and going forward in your life. And, you know, personally, we tend to use more empathy and understanding in our personal lives. We just haven't used it in our in our professional lives. And it really could help. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thank you, Sophie. Where can our listeners follow your work? So LinkedIn is one of the places that I very active also on Twitter at uh, a Sophie Wade, but my website also sophieway.com and flexelnetwork.com. And I do have a podcast, which is Transforming Work with Sophie Wade. And that's all interviewing people who are all sort of working in different ways to, to navigate and succeed in this new environment. Thank you, Carolina. Awesome. Thank you so much. TRS Level Up Engineering podcast watchers and listeners. I am Carolina Toth. Today, my guest was founder of the Flexel Network, Sophie Wade, and we had an awesome conversation about quiet quitting and empathy and how we can diagnose ourselves and maybe ask questions of others. Thank you, Sophie, for joining us today. And I hope I will see everyone next time. Thanks for staying with Level Up Engineering. If you enjoyed this podcast, so will your friends. Share this episode on your favorite social networking platform. To stay up to date with our content, follow Level Up Engineering on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or Google Podcast. Brought to you by Coding Sans, a software development agency building web applications with Angular and Node.js. Check them out at codingsans.com. <laughs>